Diversions is presented by Mark Catlin, who is wholly responsible for this show's content. The opinions expressed on Diversions are not necessarily those of KUBC, its staff, management, or KUBC advertisers. Diversions, an informational program brought to you by Producers Co-op. Hosted by Mark Catlin. Good morning and welcome to Diversions, another great day in the western slope of Colorado. I'll, uh, I'll be your host today. My name is Mark Catlin and we're here on KUBC 580 AM, the voice of the valley. Let's talk about the people who keep us on the air. Producers Co-op here in Montrose and Olathe. You know where they are, right on Main Street. <clears throat> but they've got everything you need for your ag operation, whether it be food, fuel, fertilizer, tires, tractor tires, whatever it is, they've got it, no matter how big or how small your operation is. You walk through the door, the first question they'll ask you is, can I help you? And they mean that. After they've found what you're needing, they'll either load it in your outfit or they'll deliver it to your place. So no matter how big your operation is, if it's the backyard or if it's to the top of the mountain, they've got what you need. Producers Co-op, they've been sponsoring this show a long time. If you get a chance, stop by, thank them. But go in and say hello for me. I'd appreciate that. Good people taking care of a great place. Turner Automotive, they've been with us since we started. Ross Turner and his crew out here on <clears throat> East Main. They've got all the new Chevys, General Motors, Toyotas, and a great lineup of used cars and trucks. His people are the kind of people that will help you buy a car rather than sell you a car, and that's a big deal in my mind. They're there to help. You know, and he sponsors a lot of different places and a lot of different things around the community. Believe me, he is, uh, he's, uh, he's a great member of the community, and his staff you can't top him. Turner Automotive, go by and say hello. <clears throat> Leadership Circle, they created that shopping center south of Montrose. They made us into the sh shopping center for western Colorado. But they've done a lot of nice things around the edges of town as far as residential properties are concerned. If you're needing a new place for a house, take a drive around the edges of town. You're going to find some professional-looking developments that are done right because they've learned a lot of things nationwide and brought them home here to their hometown. Leadership Circle. Mesa Storage. Out here on Spring Creek Road at the bottom of Spring Creek Hill, Ron and Pam Brown are the owners and operators. Mesa Storage takes care of your treasures just like they would take care of their own. The facility is locked and lighted all night, but the big thing is it's open every day from dawn until dusk. So you can get to your treasures. They've been storing my treasures ever since I realized they were treasures. They're great people. Friends of mine, they'll be friends of yours. They're great people. They're good they're good patriots, they're good neighbors, they're just solid citizens. Go by and say hello. If you need a place for your treasures, that's the right place, believe me. Go by and see if you can find a place to store your stuff. Scott's Printing's been printing for me ever since I realized I needed to present an image. They've done everything from, plant, from print a banner across Main Street to a small business card to even my kids' birth announcements. They do things right. You walk through the door, they ask you, what can we do to help you? They will help you present the image that you want to present. If you want to print it, they can do it on every surface I've ever asked them to do. But the big thing is they've been very f helpful and friendly to the people that I've sent to them. They're truly professionals. And that's a big deal in this day and age. Scott's Printing, you don't have to go to the interweb to find them. They're right here in your hometown on South 12th. 
Go by and say hello. Thank them for sponsoring this show. We truly appreciate it. Well, I'm a little rushed and hurried this morning. I uh, didn't get my earphones on just right, and I was kind of shook up. So, you know, we've got a good show coming this morning, and I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to have Colorado River District on. So here we go. Good morning. Welcome to the air. You're on Diversions. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I can't hear them. Good morning, Hello? Mark. This is Andy Mueller. How are you? Hello, Mark. Hello. Good morning, Mark. Andy Mueller. Hey, Andy. I can hear you now. I had to change okay. earmuffs. All right. <laughs> we had uh, technical difficulties with the guy that's wearing the earphones. So... <laughs> Stand by just a minute. I want to brag on you for a minute. I'm pretty proud of you, Guy. This morning, we've got a guest, Andy Mueller, who is the um, executive director of the Colorado River District. He's brand new at the job. He's not new to the water business, but he's brand new to this job and uh, just hired in, think, what, first of the year, Andy? Yep. I uh, actually came on, I think you officially appointed me, or the board did, in uh, middle of January. Well, that's what I thought, and, you know... uh, you're kind of like I am. You came on board with the first and the worst drought they've had in a long time. So I'm sure you're busy as heck down there in, in Glenwood Springs, believe me. We, we are, Mark. It's, uh, it's really a scary year in parts of our state. As, as you know, the further south we get, the, the worse it seems to be. And, and, um, but it, it is all throughout the state. The uh, month of May has been really difficult. We've just seen the snowpack evaporating and, and uh, getting worse and worse as we go forward. So. Boy, that's for sure. While we're, let's, before we get started real quick, I'd like to talk about who the River District represents. That's, um, it's been a question. I've had a number of people asking me that, so I was wondering if you could fill us in a little. Sure, I'd be happy to, Mark. The, the River District is a regional government um, which comprises the area of the 15 counties in the state, in the western part of the state of Colorado, is kind of the, uh, the furthest south we go is Uray County, and and then we go up all the way to the Wyoming border, and we go we include the counties along the headwaters along the Continental Divide, uh, Route Eagle, Summit, uh, Gunnison, uh, Pitkin counties, and then we we go out and we we also include. Uh, Rio Blanco and Moffat, Mesa County, uh, Garfield, and of course uh, Delta and Montrose counties. Um, so, so we're we're a pretty large area. We're 28 percent of the state of Colorado. Um, we don't cover the entire Colorado River watershed in Colorado. There is a something called the Southwest Water Conservation District, which is um, based in Durango, and they they cover uh, eight or nine counties down there that also are tributary areas to the to the Colorado River through the San Juan River. Um, Well, and, uh, you know, part of Montrose County is in that district, too, so uh, we kind of spraddle those two districts because of the way the mountains lay. So, in other words, what you're telling me is you represent, we represent everything from row crops to resorts and um, all of the items and issues that uh, come up with that, right? We do, and, and I think our, our mission is, is a pretty, um, to me, it, it, it's one that I truly you know, believe is important, and our job is to protect uh, and assist in the development of the water resources for the people of the western Colorado, uh, and those water resources are those that are tributary to the Colorado River. We, we also have this unique charge for regional government, which is to uh, protect Colorado 
share of the Colorado River Compact um, as to the all of the states in the basin. So. Well, I understand that, and I, uh, you know, there are a lot of issues in, in all that we have to deal with. What I'd like to talk about this morning is I'd like to talk about what's happening in the Colorado River District boundaries. Where, you know, what's going on up in the northwest corner and all the way down here to the, you know, to Montrose County. How is the sure. drought affecting the people in the district? Well, it, it's interesting. I was uh, actually just recently up in the, the Yampa Valley, had the opportunity to kind of um, travel the length of it and, and really talk to a number of people up there. And, and, and I, although it's... Um, been a dry uh, early summer or late spring for for those folks they they did get more snow and uh, precipitation during the winter than than uh folks down in the south did so they they're doing reasonably well their their crops uh seem to be holding out their their hay pastures and and the water supply in the yampa river um is is you know probably about 75 percent of normal which uh for for if you're if you're down in the uh, Rio Blanco or the or the Animus or or even the Dolores that sounds pretty good right now. Um, but I, I I would say that there um, it's hot and and with those hot temperatures comes uh, greater evaporation and so uh, soil moisture is greatly affected. The crop growth is being affected. Um, I, I the one thing that's interesting that you know up there their their ski season and and that's part of our our you know some of our constituents are the recreational industry and. So seeing their their ski season was was actually reasonably good in Steamboat, but it, it had to do with the fact that they had five real heavy storms. They didn't get a consistent uh, storm pattern throughout the year. It was just five of them that they can attribute over 85% of their moisture uh, to. So uh, it, it was an interesting one. And I, I think as you drop down a little bit to the Colorado River and, and um, uh, there, there's an anomaly within the state, and that is the Summit County area, which is the headwaters of the Blue River up near Dillon Reservoir and beyond that. Um, that area actually received almost 95 or 98 percent of normal snowpack, um, and then and, and that was up until about mid-April. And then in mid-April, they got hit with a storm that actually grounded me in Silverthorne on my way over to talk to Denver Water, and um, and. In that snowstorm, they they went up. Their snowpack uh, topped out or peaked out at about 103 percent of normal. So they they're doing great in, in that area. And and even uh, the, the river district, we have a reservoir up above Kremlin on the uh, on the tributary to the Colorado, and, and that reservoir is topped out, uh, uh, spilling as we speak, actually. Um, and and so. The headwaters areas of the Colorado River are pretty good, but but as you come down the Colorado River um, into Lower Eagle County, Western Eagle County, and then certainly in Garfield and Mesa, we see a, a, a very significant difference because the, the snow this year uh, did not stay um, and, and didn't really fall even in, in those lower areas as we would normally see in, in, in winter. Uh, the, the, the warming warm temperatures this, this winter really uh, affected that snowpack on the, on the lower elevations, and I, and I think there, um, the soil mo- moisture, again, down, down here in Garfield County and, and uh, Mesa County are, are we're, we're seriously affected by that. And so we're, we're expecting, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, Garfield County just this week enacted uh, fire, uh, stage one fire restrictions 
Um, and, and I know throughout the Western Slope, we're seeing those get put in place and um, for good reason. So uh, it, it's got everybody concerned. Well, you know, I was going to ask you, are there any, have you got any fires breaking out in the upper Colorado or up in the Yampa in that country? None that I'm aware of up in the Yampa, um, and, and certainly not compared to what they're suffering just north of Durango there. Yeah. Um, so, so I, you know, our, our biggest concern within our district right now from a fire perspective is really uh, down south uh, where you are and a little further south in the San Juans there in Ure uh, County and, and western Montrose County. Um, we really are concerned, and I think everybody is, that, that this could be a, a horrendous fire season. Yeah, it's now. really dry here, well, I'll tell you. And, and uh, you know, the Uncompagre Valley is doing pretty well. I mean, we've got supply up above us. Uh, we're, I think the growers here are at around 80%, probably going to 70% pretty quick. You know, you just have to work really hard in order to move water around and get it to every crop, and uh, you know. So it's good to know that uh, that the reservoirs up there, and that's I wanted to talk about those reservoirs a little bit. Sure. We operate what two or three up there in that country. Well, there's there's uh, and and are you speaking about the Upper Gunnison or in the in the Colorado? No, in the Upper Colorado. Okay, in the Upper Colorado, the River District actually operates and owns. Wolford Mountain Reservoir, which is the one I was talking about above Kremlin. We we also operate in uh, in conjunction with the city of Craig, uh, a, a reservoir by the name of Elkhead Reservoir, on uh, aptly named Elkhead Creek, uh, right outside of Craig. Um, and and so we we do own and operate that in conjunction with the city. And then we have a significant amount of water we have purchased from the Bureau of Reclamation in. Uh, Rudai Reservoir, which is a, uh, up on the frying pan, which is a tributary to the Roaring Fork, um, and then flows into the Colorado. So, so there are three large buckets that the district owns um, portions of, or all of, in um, in those areas, and and they do supply uh, supplemental irrigation and, and augmentation water to our farmers and our cities and our industries uh, in in that area. So. Um, so those those reservoirs, you operate them to supply mainly domestic and irrigation water, don't you, in regards to when the Colorado River is short because of either yep. Trans Mountain diversions or like we are this summer? That's right. That's right. We do. We 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 drain. Uh, use those to release water, and and usually it's it's augmenting or you know, replacing the flows that someone's taken out of their uh, city or either urban or or. Uh, well system that they're providing domestic and, and, and also for their agricultural water rights. So what kind of flows do you think the, the endangered species will be looking at this year since we're in such a short supply year? Will they, uh, do they have those flows determined by what type of year we're having? If, you know, if it's a extremely dry, there's a certain flow regime? They, they, they do. In fact, I was on the phone uh, earlier this week with uh, one of the um, uh, federal employees of the Upper Endangered Colorado Fish Recovery Program talking about that. And, and um, in dry years, those fish suffer just the way we, we do as humans. And so, um, you know, in, in, if you think back, natural flows in the Colorado River system uh, that those fish are used to uh, obviously experience droughts. They experience late season droughts that that would almost dry up that river at times. And so, um, those those fish, in, in, from many perspectives, people believe in, in in a year like this, they actually fare better than they would have under a natural flow regime because we 
we do release some water and we will release it. It just won't be as much volume as they would get in a in a normal or wet year. Uh, well, you know, that's part of that um, endangered species recovery program that the state of Colorado instituted. It seems to me that it's working. And, uh, you know, those fish are, well, they're not... Uh, they're not recovering yet, but they're certainly being held at a, a static point to where we're not losing more and we're being able to keep track of how many fish are in the river. That program, the Endangered Fish Repo Recovery Program, how long does it have to run? That's an excellent question, Mark. We're, maybe if I can just back up a little bit, and I think you hit on it, but I want to make sure that the listeners understand the importance of, of the Upper Colorado Endangered Fish Recovery Program. Um, it, it's, it, you know, it is a great program, um, and it does benefit the fish, but, but I'll be realistic about it. The reason our district is, uh, was part of its uh, creation and, and, and why we continue to play a key role in it is that it protects water users on the western slope. It, it protects us from, from, from getting hammered by uh, the Endangered Species Act and having the Fish and Wildlife Service turn off our water users' ditches and, and diversions. And so with that program, which is a cooperative program, federal, state, local agencies, water, uh, major water diversion agencies, and, and our district uh, formed it in order to create a cooperative effort. And so... Um, that that program is a model of success that's, that's been looked at from people throughout the country. And and the problem with it is is that it was authorized in 1984. And, and in 1984, everybody was extremely optimistic that these four endangered fish would certainly be recovered by the year 2023. And so that program has its, its natural end in 2023 under federal legislation. And... Um, we're concerned about that. We do, as you mentioned, the fish are stable. The populations are stabilized to the best of our knowledge. And, and in fact, one of the fish, uh, the Colorado pike minnow, is uh, potentially eligible to be delisted from being endangered to, to threatened. It, it, not completely taken off the, the listing, but at least, de you know, knocked down a little bit um, because of the population in the main stem of the Colorado is doing so well. But... Um, but, but nonetheless, it's there, and, 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 and um, so we're working, and that's why really the purpose of my conversations and, and efforts uh, recently, with, along with some of our engineering staff, is to work with the Endangered Fish Recovery Program and the other stakeholders to figure out what, what this thing looks like going forward. Because uh, for, for, um, a, you know, for us on the Western Slope, those of us who are charged with protecting uh, water resources, and, and that means that we have to look out 10, 20 years and, and, and understand what, what's going to be happening or do our best to try. And, and this one in particular concerns me because five years from now, we have to have something else in place to protect our water users, to continue to afford them the ability to divert water out of the stream without having to spend thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, regulatory processes with the Fish and Wildlife Service. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit about U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Are they, um, do you think they will be um, willing to look at extending that program for another 25 years or, you know, doing something like that? We've got five years to work on it, which is probably not long enough. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, the speed it at which be, things right? don't happen yeah. when you're talking about government. But it seems to me like that would be the best, you know, they should be very proud of that program, too, 
in regards to the health of those endangered species. It seems like they would spend an awful lot of effort to come back after we've had that program and say, no, we don't want to extend it. Because what would they hang their hat on in regards to the environment or to the recovery of the fish? They've done nothing. Right. It's been and, that program and, and, that's done the work. Yeah, that program's done the work. And I and I would just say, Mark, on their own they've done nothing, but they've certainly been part and in, in a willing part of, of that program. So, I, I, you know, generally I, I'm not a huge fan of, of the Fish and Wildlife Service necessarily, but I will tell you in this particular instance, they have done a, uh, a they have been a, a, a team player, and, and in fact, they continue to be. They're they are um, they, they are looking at ways that this program goes forward, and 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 there are different sections of the Endangered uh, Species Act under which we could proceed. It could be a conservation plan, it could be another recovery program. Um, we could call it something completely different, but but essentially, what we're trying to figure out is uh, the law requires. Uh, that we have a permanent source of water and and funding to provide that water for these fish and 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 so there's there's both the water there's the fish and then there's paying to monitor and make sure that uh, the, the fish populations are, are are healthy and so um, you know right now that's funded through a combination of of federal dollars coming out of the uh, electric power from the Glen Canyon Dam, it's it's funded um, um, by some general funds at the federal level. It's funded by the state of Colorado through the, um, and uh, the CWCB, and then our district and others also help contribute money to to make sure it operates. and And there's there's this really unique situation where we do something called a coordinated reservoir operation right. on, the, on, the, on the main stem of the Colorado where we are literally um, every week uh, one of our engineers is on the phone with uh, every other major reservoir owner on that river to make sure that the releases being released are coordinated uh, to, to benefit the fish. And, and, and by doing that, I, I will just point out, it creates a huge benefit for the recreational economy and uh, in between um, the, the headwaters where those reservoirs are and, and the 15-mile uh, the, the reach, which is down outside of Grand Junction. It also helps our agricultural users in the Grand Valley because they're able to take their water without worrying about uh, the fish recovery. And, and they've worked uh, very well down the Grand Valley with... Um, this program and, and uh, retime some of their uh, hydroelectric uh, power releases and uses in order to make sure that that program is, uh, you know, that those fish are, are getting the water so that our users continue to benefit. Well, that's something that, you know, I think the state of Colorado should be very proud of. I know that I am because we've done something about recovery when everybody else is using it as land use planning or uh, you know, development planning to where they don't think that uh, people should be diverting water out of the water out of uh, those rivers, even if they've got priority water rights. So, it seems to me like that's one of our priorities for the Colorado River District, and uh, I know that you guys are on it. I, I wanted my listeners to know about the recovery program and and the how much out in front of the curve the state of Colorado has been for now nearly 20 years. I would say that's true, and one of the things I really liked about it and the model, and, and, and I think you're hinting at this, is is that it's not a it's not being used as a hammer to control 
human behavior and, and regulate right. from the top down. It's, it is a truly a, a, a water user-sponsored program that is cooperative in nature and that, that everybody's coming to the table and working on. And, and, and in, in, in essence, it, it, is, it is through that cooperation has found a way to continue the beneficial human use of water. And, and allowed economic development to occur uh, in in our basins and 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 really I, I want to stress I mean for the folks in the in the Uncompahgre and the Gunnison Valleys this program benefits them tremendously there are those endangered fish come up the Gunnison and and this is one of the interesting things is they come up the Gunnison almost every year their main main body of, of fish are down in, in the main stem of the Colorado in a year like this where the um, where the, uh, the, uh, the diversion dam, uh, Redlands Power Canal, is taking almost the sweep in the river, the Gunnison down there. And I don't know if it is today, but it's predicted to be doing that pretty quickly here. Yeah. Um, when it does, um, those fish uh, will, will not be coming up the Gunnison. And, and that's actually uh, something that, that the service, the Fish and Wildlife Service, has accepted as, as, as part of the um, the operation of the river, and, and, and it's an interesting one because it never would have done that but for this fish recovery program that we've got in. in well, the recovery program's done a lot of things that have helped a lot of people, and I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it's well enough known by the environmental community and the diverting com community. I, I think it just goes on, and uh, people think, well, that's normal. We're in good shape. But it does have an ending date on it, and that ending date could change things substantially. A Section 7 consultation for the Uncompahgre Valley water users or any other water user in the Colorado River District would be devastating, in my opinion. Uh, and I agree. And so we're, we're doing our best, Mark, to make sure that doesn't happen, and, and we take our obligation there very seriously. Well, I know that. There's a couple of things I'd like to talk about. I know that... Uh, the Colorado River District, in my opinion, is, is the pinch point between Trans Mountain diverters and downstream users. Um, they look to us to solve every problem that they seem to think they've got. Um, do you think that the Trans Mountain diverters will be able to divert as much water as they have in the most recent past? With that snowpack up there, it may be okay for them, right? Yeah, this, this year they're okay. And, and, in fact, they went into the system this year similar to, to many uh, of our reservoirs in the state, they, they went into it with pretty full reservoirs, uh, above average filled reservoirs. And so, um, you know, I just was up in Silverthorne earlier this week talking to uh, county commissioners uh, from throughout the state, and Dillon Reservoir is full, you know, and so Denver operates Dillon as part of their supply program. They will be drawing it down, you can, you can see, and so, so for this year, they're okay, and, 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 and they're diverting um, um, pretty significant amounts of water over, uh, as they do in most years. Um, but, but I think when, when we look at uh, what could happen next year is what makes everybody very nervous. And, and that makes everybody nervous whether you're the city of Grand Junction and you get your water supply off the, uh, the Grand Mesa or you're the city of Denver or Fort Collins where your water comes through one of those trans-basin diversions. So it, it, it is, it's got everybody very concerned. Well, you know, it's too far out to be able to tell what we might get for winter, but you almost have to bet that it will follow suit, you know, that we will be short again this winter. So I'm hoping the water managers here on the western slope don't just draw down every reservoir down to the point 
that it would take two or three years to recover because, uh, man, it's going to get tough here. I believe me. I, you know, I uh, I managed the water users for a number of years, and it's um, <laughs> without those reservoirs up above you, it's not going to be a pretty pretty year at all. Well, I agree, and I I think a classic uh, example of what we're seeing of that this year, and and it and it. It's just the operation of our priority system, but as you know, as you well know, in a dry year like this, and a record dry year like like this, um, that the water users association, the Incapaga Water Users Association, are are required to get their water to their users, and, and under state law are entitled to. And so, when they in a dry year, they put a call on the M and D canal, and 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 as soon as they do, they the the effects of that ripple upstream to Ure County, where where we we see a situation with um, uh, all of those direct flow ditches up there in your A for the ag users. Um, there, there's just no reservoir storage that provides uh, for, for most of the ranches up there and, and, and very few of those rights. In fact, there are only 75 rights, agricultural rights, that are senior to the M&D Canal in Ure County. So when that call comes on, Ure County uh, really gets hit hard. And it is on now. And so, um, you know, your your listeners up there in Ure are feeling feeling this drought extremely. Because yeah. Yeah, if, if we don't start getting some rain, some monsoon rains here, uh, their, their crops are... are uh, looking at being very, very seriously. Well, I was up through there the other day on well, Thursday. Um, it's dry. They, you know, they're yeah. all shut off, and uh, those pastures are drying up, burning up. It's, um, yeah. it's not pretty. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's um, that's the way the system works, and I, they understand that too. So, right, a call on the river in the summer changes how winters or how your Christmas is going to look too. I can tell you, I've been there, and I yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is, and and I will I will give uh, you know Steve Anderson, the, the the manager, your successor over there at the at the water users, uh, uh, some good credit. He did come up to our as you know because you were there our, our state of the river address in Ridgeway, and and he did admit that that call was coming, and and he talked about how he he didn't make that call lightly, and and I I I certainly as someone who has to look out for all of our water users, I I really appreciated. Steve being willing to walk into what could be a very hostile situation and 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 uh, be very very upfront and, and honest about it. So. Well, I'm sure that you know, and they appreciate that too. Neighbors are neighbors. Yep. I got a feeling there's probably going to be a call on the Gunnison River before the summer's over because uh, there's so much demand down here, and so some of those uh, younger water rights in the Gunnison Basin probably will end up having to be shut off too as yep. as supply goes down. You know, I wanted to talk about. Southern California. I'm sure that you're tired of talking about California, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I sit in some of these meetings and I, I recognize that I understand that they believe that they are the big boys on the river and that they'll suffer no shortage and that sort of thing. But you know, I don't really know if they're if they've been as cooperative um, um, in their in their style of management as what some of the people in the upper basin have been. Do you see much progress being made in that lower basin in regards to what their drought plans are going to be? They continue to draft on Lake Mead. It continues to go down. Uh, you know, for example, the inflows to the to the Lake Powell is going to be how much? Do you know yet? I do. You know, they uh, unfortunately just revised that number down yet again. That's we are we are looking. So the the critical period in filling Lake Powell 
as with most reservoirs in the Colorado River, is is um, April to July. And and that April to July period, we normally see 7.2 million acre feet roughly going in there average. Um, this year, at the present moment, they're predicting 2.8 million acre feet going into that, going into Powell. And, and for the entire water year, we're predict you know the predictions are under six million, possibly as low as uh, as low as five million acre feet of water. And at the same time, under the operating criteria for Powell and Mead on the Colorado River, which is an and when I call, talk about these operating criteria, the the compact and then the couple uh, federal acts that were passed after that call for. Um, uh, operating those reservoirs, and, and I would say that the, the compact didn't envision necessarily Paul, but the, but certainly the um, the 1968 Act that created it did, and, and and so or 56 Act, excuse me, when it when it was created and, and built, they, we knew that it would be occasionally what, what's called equalized, right. um, and and when that when that occurs, we. We, if, if Powell is fuller than Mead, there's water that gets dropped out to it. And so it, this year, you know, if you remember, we've we're, we're got 5 million, maybe 6, uh, coming into Powell, but we're releasing over 9 million acre feet downstream. Well, and, that's, you know, that's what, yeah. that's what bothers us up here. Is that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a <coughs> classic case when you study it. Um, it's a the lower basin is is overusing their water in in and their share of the Colorado River, and they have historically done that. Um, there have been efforts by many of the users on the lower basin to correct that historic overuse, but they haven't they haven't succeeded yet. And they're 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 talking about it. And and I can tell you, you know, on the lower Colorado River, from from Powell down, um, the Bureau of Reclamation. Uh, which is the Department of Interior, the, the Secretary of Interior, is the uh, Secretary Zinke has appointed Brenda Berman to be the Water Commissioner, or the Commissioner of the Bureau of Reclamation. So she's the uh, top dog on the on the river down there, and 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 she, I will tell you, I've been impressed. She went down the biggest irrigation district in Southern California, the Imperial, Imperial Irrigation right. District, and told their board that uh, they uh, needed to quit overusing water and that there was a crisis on this system and that if they and the fellow water users continued this process, that they would cause Lake Mead to crash. And and to hear, you know, a, a, an administrative administration official uh, make a declaration like that in a public forum is, is a pretty significant one. Um, and, and, and she's encouraging them very strongly to, to get in gear and, and they're, they need the cooperation of Arizona. They need, they need Nevada to all come together and, and, and agree to, to reduce their consumptive use on the river and, and store, essentially put, leave that water in Mead so that Lake Mead's level increases. And um, you know, I would tell you that they're—they say they're making some progress on on their agreements to do that. Uh, I, I will believe it when we see it. That's the way I am. And you know, when we we hear that Arizona's been gaming the system, that um, they they changed the the times and dates of their their calls on or their demands for you know delivery, so that they make sure that that nine million acre feet comes down through the through the canyon. 
you know that's disappointing to me particularly for three you know for a number of reasons but mainly that system wasn't built to be gamed and uh, I understand good managers always find a way to take you know take care of themselves but that's not going to create a, a big urge for upper river water users to do anything to help them well I, I would agree completely with you mark and, and I and I think that their intentional gaming of the system, because really what they were doing is there, I will tell you that there's a pilot program where we were trying to see throughout the basin if we could alter different practices to conserve consumptive use of water, to basically reduce the consumptive use. And we were cooperating throughout the basin trying to do this. And the way Central Arizona Project was operating is that they were timing their orders to the Bureau of Reclamation out of Lake Havasu where they pumped their water right below Lake Mead, and they were timing their orders such that uh, they were getting the maximum annual release out of, out of Lake Mead, and basically they were, they were taking all of the cons conserved water that everybody else in the basin was trying to work on. And so that, that, that leaves a, uh, worse than a bad taste in your mouth, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and so there's a lot of effort from the upper basin, from our state, from our organization to make. Are you, are you still there? Mark? Yeah. I'm still here. Yep. You had a little feedback there. Mark. Yeah, I got, uh, got wound up with my earmuffs here and I took them off and it screamed at everybody. So, you know, that's the problem that I'm seeing with the, the lower basin is it seems like everybody's operating as independents out of a common pool rather than looking at something and saying, okay, we can all do this. That's right. And I worry right. about that because, you know, up here in the upper basin, we all seem to be at least open to conversations. You know, Wyoming, Utah, New Mexico, we're, you know, we're trying our best to figure ways to make this work. And down there, whenever we talk about the lower basin, we end up talking about individual states rather than a group of users. That worries me, and I'm hoping that the state you know, that the Bureau of Reclamation and the Interior Department be able to bring them to the table and say, look, we've got to put this together as a group rather than as individuals. I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, I, and, I, and I'm hoping they can do that. I, um, I, I feel like uh, we've got some good leadership in place at the, at the Bureau of Reclamation, and we're hoping to see that happen. And, and, and we're certainly pushing it. I will tell you, Mark, myself, and our general counsel are headed down uh, next week to Santa Fe um, to meet not only with members of the Upper Colorado River uh, uh, Commission, uh, which represents all four states, but we're also meeting with some of the lower basin interests in, in having these very discussions. So I, you know, I, I can tell you we're we're pushing as hard as we can to get that uh, uh, cooperative effort back on track and and really encourage uh, the proper behavior. Well, I'm hoping that will happen. And, you know, I know that the River District has to be at all of those meetings, and I'm glad that you guys are. Is the state of Colorado, um, you know, I, I, not to cast dispersions, one of the things that worries me, I think the state of Colorado tries to worry about front range and those kind of things, and then they worry about the Colorado River. That worries me because everybody's future is on the Colorado River, not just theirs, but ours too. Right, and and I I think there there tends to be in in, in certain segments of our state government a, 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 a what we would perceive as a front range bias. Right. Um, but I would tell you that that um, you know 
one of the great things about the River District is it provides an uh, amplified voice for the people of, of Western Colorado to really uh, get some attention and focus on, on the whole river and on the whole Western Slope. And and I I will tell you that that um, made this point to uh, the full House of uh, Colorado County Commissioners this year, this just this week at CCI, uh, the Colorado Counties Inc. Uh, speech that, you know, the Colorado River provides water to, to uh, almost every resident of the state of Colorado in one way or another. And, and there are very few areas of the state where, where our, the Colorado River water does not actually reach. And so that, you know, the importance of the Colorado River cannot be understated as, as the lifeblood of the state of of the of Colorado, and and it's and, and obviously when I talk about the Colorado River, I talk about all of its tributaries, the, including yeah. the Uncompahgre and the Gunnison. And, but it's it's that system is what allows our state to economically thrive. And and what we can't do is sit back idly and and uh, ignore it, and 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 also allow certain industries like our agriculture on the western slope. To, to take the full brunt of, of, of a drought or of climate change. Well, I agree with that. And the other thing that, um, you know, that, that I want people to be aware of is where do you think that Lake Powell will end up this year? How far down will we draw it again? Because yeah. I think we're at about 43% full right now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're, we're actually, we came into the year at about 42% full. Oh, no, excuse me, no, 52% full. And mm-hmm. and we, we expect, I think the 42 number mark is, is the, was the predicted inflow at, at, into Lake Powell this year. It's now predicted to be about 39% inflow, about 39% of average. We are we are looking at a 25-foot drop in Powell. So. Yeah. Um, that that will bring us uh, about 15 feet below the 3,600 mean elevation. Um, it, it, it is unfortunately rapidly approaching. If if we had a series of, of additional dry years here, we will approach a level where where uh, critical levels in power will be hit. And those critical levels involve our ability to make power in those dams. It, it involves our ability to deliver water downstream. Um, so. Well, that's it's a pretty serious issue. Yeah, you know, that's the point that I'm trying to make in regards to continuing with these equalizing flows. Um, it's not necessarily dictated by Lake Mead. It's you know they need to look at the bucket up above them and say, okay, we've got some insurance up there. We this nine million acre feet release. It might make more sense if it was 7.5 or, you know, 8.2 or however we, you know, what when those numbers that we, you and I both are aware of yeah. are, are delivery well, amounts. I, I agree. And, in fact, we're, you know, under the current operating criteria that were agreed to in 2007, we're actually very close to a point where, where the delivery amounts will go from uh, the 9 million that we're seeing this year down to about 7.4. Um, and, 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 and frankly, that's where it should be in a year like this. It shouldn't be at none. And, and so, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's an issue, and, and honestly, that's another thing our district's involved in, that the upper basin is, is getting, getting ready to renegotiate those operating criteria with the lower basin, and, and that have to be renegotiated by uh, 2026. So again, things move slowly in the water world. So we'll, but we have already um, been prodding our our uh, colleagues throughout the upper basin to to really 
understand the math and the hydrology involved in, in these formulas that dictate when that water is released out of Lake Powell um, in, in order to adjust them such that, that they reflect the realities uh, that we're operating in today. So. Yeah, because, you know, everybody keeps talking about climate change and these kind of things. Okay, if that's end up being what's going to happen, then these numbers have to be re readjusted too to go along with what Mother Nature's you know going to be providing to the, everybody, not just lower the basin. That's correct. That's correct. You know, I, um, it is, you know, it's it's. We could take the Uncompahgre Valley and not divert any water at all, none for the crops, none for drinking, all of those kind of things, and our amount of water would only keep Imperial Irrigation District watering their land for two months. Right. So, right. you know, the scale of this thing is, you know, they continue to look upriver as though this is the answer, but, you know, we really don't have that much water up here to bail them out again because they've been, with their overusage over the last 18 years, they've drained Lake Powell one time. And that's, that's worrisome. Yeah, and and I think that's that's exactly uh, the point. And, and I you know I will tell you, I mean, some of the the modeling our district's involved in and has been really at the forefront of uh, hydrologic modeling is 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 actually trying to drive that point home to the lower basin to sh show that um, what are the you know you got to be able to support your positions with facts in these discussions and and to be able to to get the the right information and the right models to show the, the system where the where the real problems are and to be able to show look it's it, it, it the, the, in this hydrology in this dry time that's where the real problem is is that the overuse continues in that lower basin so um, you know let, let me just say this mark I, I know I don't know how much more time we've got but I want to make sure there is some there are some silver linings on the, on, on the horizon on these clouds and, and one of them is that the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, who, who has historically been an overuser of Colorado River water right. and kind of the driver of many of the problems you and I have been talking about, they they actually recognize that and they see the, the problems and the writing on the wall and the, and the coming their way. And and they have, um, and you may have seen this, and some of your user readers or listeners may have too, the, the, uh, the, uh, the if you talk about the other supply of water they get, the major supply is from the Sierras north of the uh, Sacramento Bay Delta. And, and and they pipe it all the way down, canals all the way down to, to the Southern California metropolitan area. And there's limitations on there due to some endangered fish in the in the Delta. And and that um, proposal has been to put two huge tunnels underneath the, the Delta to run that fresh water around the endangered fish instead of through the um, uh, the delta itself, and 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 they're in the process of doing that. And the interesting thing is, the state of California and its water users approved paying for one of the tunnels, but they really need two in order to to handle that that water. And the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California stepped up and voted to to build that second one all themselves. All the other the irrigators in California couldn't afford to do it. And they said, you know what, we have to have this. We're going to do it. And, and we encourage them to do that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the kind of supply they need, and we believe they should be pulling from other than the Colorado River. And, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and that's, those are the efforts we need. So we, we need to 
we need to make sure we recognize and, and award good behavior when we see it. Well, I agree with that. Yeah, we are getting pretty close to needing to wrap up. I thought, you know, I just wanted to remind everybody that's listening that the Colorado River District represents and, and, and tries to protect everything from irrigation to domestic to environmental flows. That's a big job. And uh, how many employees you got, 25? We have 25. Now. 25 <laughs> really great employees. Uh, they are good employees. And, you know, what they're doing every day impacts 40 million people. So, you know, those are the kind of things, because that's the 40 million of the people that are living on Colorado River water. That's a big job, and I want to congratulate you guys. I think you do a great job of it. And, um, well, you know, I wanted you to give us your website and how they, how these listeners can can talk to the contract, to, can, can talk to the River District. Sure, and, and I would encourage everybody to get on our website. It has a great uh, source, it's a great source of information. It has all our other contact information. It's uh, www.coloradoriverdistrict.org. So all one word, Colorado River District. Right. And um, if, if you log on there, there's lots of information. And of course, they should feel free to reach out to our office. We've got some great uh, information specialists, public information specialists who can help out. So um, let us know what we can do for you. And Mark, I want to just uh, thank you for representing the people of Montrose County on our board as their director. Uh, without our board of directors, we we would not have the leadership and the and the and the information that we need to do our job. So thank you for being such a key part of that. Well, thanks for being on the show with us this morning. It's always good to have you, Andy. You know, um, you're it's starting to get woven into your fiber now. Your conversations, you can tell you don't have notes. You can tell it's just just stuff that's woven right into your fiber. I think that's one of the things that happens to water people is the facts and figures just get woven in you don't have to look at notes you know what those numbers are yep. so yeah and you know you're sounding good um i want to think and i want to tell you i think you're doing a good job and yep. i'll look forward to seeing you again we'll have you on the show with us again it's always good to hear you guy all right well i really appreciate it, mark thank you for the opportunity to to get the word out you really bet thanks andy it. okay all right good day, thank sir. you all right bye-bye well there we are we got andy he is a uh, he's a very sharp young man, and I think he's going to serve Western Colorado well because um, you can tell that he does care. I just wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going to be happening in in um, in the western slope of Colorado, and you know where I'm going to be for the next three weeks or for the next three weeks, the next two or three days. I'm going to be in the San Luis Valley. I'm got appointed to the Colorado Water Resources Review Committee, which is a part of the House of Representatives, part of the Senate. We'll be going to the San Luis Valley, taking a tour of uh, the Rio Grande District, the Rio Grande Basin. They're in a terrible drought. They've got about 18% of normal moisture. We're going to go over there and take a look and see what all is going on and what isn't going on. That's the biggest problem. So that's, uh, you know, part of what I'm going to be doing. And it's, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about the drought here in the Uncompahgre River. You know, we're down to 80% already, and everybody's got their hay cut. Corn's being cultivated. Everybody's going to irrigate at the same time. So the increase in demand will probably mean that we go down another percentage in regards to deliveries. I want you to know that I'm proud of you. The people that are irrigating out there really do a great job. When we get low on water, I've seen as good a crops, sometimes better crops, than when we have a lot of water. And that's a testament to the people that run the shovels out there. You guys that are making a living 
irrigating, irrigating crops, are doing a tremendous job. And I just wanted somebody to say, I think, I think you're doing good. I'm proud of you. We'll do everything we can to help. So anyway, you guys, I want you to know that. With this drought going on, I think some of us that don't grow, grow crops ought to be aware of it too. If you can water your lawn less, if you can use your pump less, if you can use less water, it's going to pay out in the long run. That way some of the pumps and those kind of things may not have to be shut off if everybody is aware that this resource is short. You know, the growers that are out there, the people that are making a living growing a crop, they're taking good care of the water. If you take a look, you can see there's very little return flows off of these farms and all. We that live in town or we that live with the sidewalk in front of our house, we could probably help with that by not using as much as we might think we ought to have. I want you to think about that a little bit. So if you want to get in touch with me, contact me at facebook.com, Diversions Radio, and the website is diversionsradio.com. I want to remind you that Americans are extraordinary people. Stand firm. Stand strong. Use the rights we've been given by the great creator. This is a good time in the life of America for us to exercise those rights. Remember, they're God-given, not by another man. You know, I want to thank you for listening today. My name is Mark Catlin. I'm your host. I, um, I, I really think we had a good show today with Andy Mueller. He was, um, he's very, very smart about this kind of thing, and he's very conversant with it. So if you'd like to contact us, get in touch with us on, case, on Facebook, and uh, we give you that. Anyway, thank you so much. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening this week. It's nice to be home. Thank you so much. God bless. Have a great weekend. Go out there and have a terrific time. Go enjoy this western slope of Colorado. Good day. Transmitting from the Pioneer Propane Studios. This is News 580 KUBC. Montrose, Ure, Olathe, Gunnison, Colorado. from ABC News, I'm Andy Field. In Canada at the G7 summit, President Trump spoke after alienating allies with his proposed tariffs on other members.